Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray you are well. Always, 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 always. How is your Lent going? And yesterday was Sunday, and uh, just in case you're in doubt, uh, you are certainly excused on Sunday, the day of resurrection of our Lord, um, from any Lenten um, plans. So from food, uh, anything else you could have on Sunday. And again, you may wish to... um, keep what you've given up in the way of food or other practices uh, or virtues, you may choose to not give them up on Sunday, of course. That's a, it's a good thing. It's a good sacrifice. But there's no problem if you do. But we're back to it today. And again, as I said last week, um, if you failed in your intentions, um, I personally would say don't choose another intention. You could, you could, you're free, you're free human being, a free person. Um, but I would say go back to your original intention and don't worry that you failed because the ultimate failure is to not try again, is to not get up. So I think if you failed in one thing and you, uh, or 10 things, and you say, well, let me choose something better, you can, but you're going to live with the fact that you gave that up. I, I think you should choose it again. And uh, God allows for our falls the way you allow for little children's falls. I'll try again, Mommy. Okay. you know. So um, I think you should pick it up again and try. And with the grace of God, you can succeed. So those are my two cents um, for Lent. It's a wonderful season. We've just passed the first Sunday of Lent. And if some of you are listening and you said, oh my goodness, I, I didn't realize it was Lent, um, it's okay. It's never too late to live for God. Never too late to live for God. So start today. Today is the beginning of um, of the rest of your life, as they say. That's, that's where the way the uh, saying goes. Today is the beginning of the rest of your life and if you love God it is also the beginning of the rest of your life throughout all eternity not just on the earth it is never too late to repent it is never too late to come to God no matter what if it destroys your reputation if you think it's going to destroy your marriage your work your position your vocation that's not number one Number one is that you'll be right with God and leave the consequences to him. Leave the consequences to God. He will work them together for good. The first priority is to be right with God, no matter what, no matter what. So we have been reading, um, and we're right at the beginning of the sermons of St. Francis de Sales for Lent. And he is my... uh, favorite saint, St. Francis de Sales, and my spiritual director. Even though we're Benedictine, I really believe St. Francis de Sales led us to St. Benedict. Truly, I do. Um, And so we've been talking about um, uh, 
what St. Francis says, that it will be very helpful to state clearly what must be done to fast well these 40 days. And again, fasting is not just from food. It could be from anger. It could be from bitterness. It could be from gossip. Uh, Anything that is uh, uh, not a virtue, Uh, anything that... uh, our, our virtuous spiritual development is, is more important than food. But as St. Francis said uh, and wrote, um, sin entered the world through the mouth. So the mouth needs to do penance. So we need to um, find some form of food to give up. In the smallest sense, we could never not use salt throughout all that. Now, some of you, that wouldn't be a good idea because your body needs salt. You can give up sugar, um, whatever it might be. It could be something very simple. Um, but I, I would say something that is that you'll feel, of course. Don't give up asparagus if you never eat them, okay? <laughs> so St. Francis says there's three conditions to fast well. There's more than that, but he's picked out the top three. He says the first condition is that we must fast with our whole heart. That is to say, willingly, wholeheartedly, universally, and entirely. With our whole heart, beloved. And we we went through that for two days, actually. And he says, the second condition now is never to fast through vanity, but always through humility. So we're not fasting to lose weight. If we lose weight and it's a bonus, all right. But we're not fasting to lose weight. We're fasting through humility, through penance with our heart. It will not be pleasing to God. Otherwise, all our ancient fathers have declared it so, but particularly St. Thomas, uh, St. Ambrose, the great St. Augustine, St. Paul, um, in the epistle he wrote to the Corinthians, particularly 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, um, declared the conditions necessary for disposing ourselves to fast well during Lent. He says that this, he says this to us, Lent, um, uh, as Lent approaches, he said, prepare yourselves to fast with charity. For if you're, I know we read this before, but we've had a whole weekend in between, so I'm going to catch us up. And the reason I just recalled we read this last time is because I told you the story of um, a um, employee that worked where I did some years ago, and we had a staff of about 40, and uh, that one gave up coffee for Lent. And um, the next Lent, the whole staff went to her and said, you are not giving up coffee this Lent (laughs) because everyone suffered for it. So you can't do something that's going to make your family or others suffer. You can't be grouchy or um, all of that because you're giving up a certain thing and expect them to understand. No, 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 no. Because then it's not a true fast. It's not a fast with your whole heart. Prepare yourself to fast with charity, for if your fast is performed without it, it will be vain and useless. Hold on a minute. Let me use my little lamp here. Yeah, that's better. Um, okay. 
If you fast without charity, it will be vain and useless since fasting, like all other good works, is not pleasing to God unless it is done in charity and through charity. When you discipline yourself, when you say long prayers, if you have not charity, all that is nothing. Even though you should work miracles, if you have not charity, they will not profit you at all. Indeed, if you should suffer martyrdom without charity, listen to this, if you should suffer martyrdom without charity, your martyrdom is worth nothing and would not be meritorious in the eyes of the divine majesty. For all works, small or great, however good they may be in themselves, are of no value and profit to us. They are of no value and profit us nothing if they are not done in charity and through charity. And I would say the majority of Christians know the beginning of 1 Corinthians where uh, 13, where Apostle Paul's, if I have all, if I move mountains, if I perform all miracles and all of that, but I have not love charity, then I'm a gonging symbol and a clanging symbol, or I'm nothing, I'm nothing. And St. Francis says, I say the same now. If your fast is without humility, it is worth nothing and cannot be pleasing to the Lord. Pagan philosophers fasted thus, and thus their fast was not accepted by God. Sinners fasted in this way, but because they do not have humility, it is of no profit at all to them. Now, according to the Apostle, all that is done without charity is not pleasing to God. So I say, that is St. Francis, in the same way with this great saint, um, with the with the St. Francis de Sales says, with the Apostle Paul, that if you fast without humility, your fast is of no value. For if you have not humility, you have not charity. And if you are without charity, you are also without humility. It is almost impossible to have charity without being humble and to be humble without having charity. These two virtues have such an affinity with one another that the one can never be without the other. But what is it to fast through humility, St. Francis asks? It is never to fast through vanity. Now, how can one fast through vanity? According to Scripture, there are hundreds and hundreds of ways. But I, says St. Francis de Sales, will content myself with telling you one of them, for it is not necessary to burden your memory with many things. To fast through vanity is to fast through self-will. Listen to this now. This is so important. To fast through vanity is to fast through self-will. This is, I would think, confusing to several of us. What do you mean? But I have to engage my will in order to fast. What do you mean it's not through self-will? We'll we'll talk about that as soon as we come back from the break, beloved. And at our second break, we'll begin to take your calls, your emails, and your texts, and I'll give you the... um, the toll-free number now, so you can dial ahead if you wish. It's toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com and we'll be right back. 
Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Another woman has died from so-called safe and legal abortion in New York City. Complications from the abortion required a 37-year-old woman to be transferred to a hospital where she later died after bleeding heavily. We are talking here about legal clinics, not back alleys. Making abortion legal did not make it safe. And the sooner the public understands that, the better. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. It is good to be with you, and we are reading um, the Lenten sermons of St. Francis de Sales, magnificent saint, gentle doctor, the doctor of love, a doctor of the church, and uh, who wrote in the late, in the early, I should say, 1600s. Um, and he's just talking about what it is to fast through humility. I'll read the beginning of this paragraph again. It is never to pa- fast through vanity. Now, how can one fast through vanity? According to Scripture, there are hundreds and hundreds of ways. But I will content myself, he says, with telling you one of them. He says, for it is not necessary to burden your memory with many things. To fast through vanity is to fast through self-will. Boy, that could be a shocker, huh? Because we make up our minds. We're going to do this no matter what. Isn't that self-will? To fast through vanity is to fast through self-will, since this self-will is not without vanity, or at least not without a temptation to vanity. And what does it mean to fast through self-will? It is to fast as one wishes and not as others wish. Uh Uh-oh. To fast in the manner which pleases us and not as we are ordered or counseled. Now, 
this is particularly, um, this is easier to understand in a religious order because, and St. Francis did write this to his sisters in the order of um, the visitation of Holy Mary, which he founded with St. Jane de Chantal, but it's also for us, beloved, a religious need to keep things more radically because of their vows, but this is for all of us. In fact, poverty, chastity, and obedience is in Scripture for our normal way of life. Again, religious live a more radical uh, life through vows. But St. Francis says, you will find some who wish to fast more than is necessary. That happens in monasteries and convents uh, and at homes. Um, What causes that except vanity and self-will? All that proceeds from ourselves seems better to us and is much more pleasant and easy for us than what is enjoined on us by another, even though the latter is more useful and proper for our perfection. This is natural to us and is born from the great love we have for ourselves. You see, um, it may be that someone's in religious order and um, they want to do certain things. They want to um, get up at midnight and stay before the blessed sacrament for three hours and the superior may say no and it may be out of vanity that the religious wants to do that but the superior either knows that and is going to refuse it or is going to say no it's not good for your health you're going to fall asleep all day long during the day and so um, there's all different kinds of reasons but if you have a superior a child at home Uh, with a parent, and you run your penances by them, by authority. What is approved by your parents or superiors, excuse me, is approved by God. And if you do anything other than that, it is vanity and it won't count. Excuse me. Um... Let each one, St. Francis de Sales continues, let each one of us examine our conscience and we will find that all comes from ourselves, from our own judgment, choice, and election. Is it, um, from our own judgment, choice, and election is esteemed and love far better than that which comes from another. We take a certain complacency in it that makes the most arduous and difficult things easy for us. And this complacency is almost always vanity. You will find those who wish to fast every Saturday of the year, but not during Lent. They wish to fast in honor of Our Lady and not in honor of Our Lord. As if Our Lord and Our Lady did not consider the honor given to the one as given to the other. And as if in honoring the Son by fasting, um, done for His intention, one did not please the Mother. Or that in honoring the Virgin, one did not please the Savior. What folly. But see how human it is. Because the fast that these persons impose on themselves on Saturday in honor of our glorious mistress comes from their own will and choice. It seems to them that it should be more holy and that it should bring them to a much greater perfection than the the fast of Lent, which is commanded. See that, beloved? 
Such people do not fast as they ought, but as they want. And it, it profits them nothing. There are others who desire to fast more than they should. And with these, one has more trouble than with the first group. On this matter, the great apostle complains, saying that we find ourselves confronted by two groups of people, some who do not wish to fast as much as they ought and cannot be satisfied with the food permitted. This is what many worldly people still do today who allege a thousand reasons on this subject. But I am not here to speak of such things, St. Francis says, for it is to religious I am addressing myself. Again, beloved, he's addressing himself to religious, but um, at home, beloved, you would do well to, to um, every person would do well um, to absorb these things and to apply them to their home. Religious, again, may fast more, are under a stricter obedience and under vows. You're not that at home. And yet the parent should not lose authority. Children should come to you, mom and dad, with the with what they want to give up for Lent. And if your um, four-year-old son says he's going to give up peanut butter, you can say, that's wonderful, honey, and give him the permission to do it. Um, if your 15-year-old says, I'm going to give up, let's see, um, spaghetti or something, you may or may not want to approve that because you may only have spaghetti once every two weeks or even once a week. You may want him to give up getting out of bed late for school or something else or, or a, different, a different, you say, no, sweetheart, I think you need to choose something else that's, that, that's more regular, you see? And you need to have them come to you with a book they're going to read, even a four-year-old. Bring a book they're going to read, even if it's a picture book, and your teenager Bring a book they're going to read for Lent, and it has to be, it should be, rather, of a Lenten um, theme, the passion of our Lord, or the sacrifice we should make. Uh, maybe saints who have been great models for us, but it needs to be on a, a theme of Lent, not a fiction, not a novel, um, but truly to enter into our Lord's suffering in the 40 days of wilderness and, and beyond. <clears throat> so, um, let me see. Um, so, the second group, he says, wishes to fast more than is necessary, and it is with these that we have more trouble. We can easily and clearly show the first group that they contravene the law of God and that in not fasting, because they refuse to fast, they do enough holy acts and fasting during the year. They don't need to bother with Lent, they think. <clears throat> but in not fasting as much as they should, while able to do it, they transgress the commandments of the Lord. But we have more difficulty with the weak and infirm who are not strong enough for fasting. They will not listen to reason nor can they be persuaded that they are not bound by it, that they're not bound by the law of fasting. And despite all our reasons, they insist on fasting more than is required, not wishing to use the food we order them. These people do not fast through humility, but through vanity. They do not recognize that being weak and infirm, they would do much more for God 
in not fasting through the command of another and using the food ordered them than in wishing to abstain through self-will. For although on account of their weakness their mouth cannot abstain, they should make the other senses of the body fast, as well as the passions and powers of the soul. You are not, says our Lord, to look gloomy and melancholic like the hypocrites do when they fast in order to be praised by men and esteemed as great abstainers. That's what Matthew has written in chapter 6. But let your fasting be done in secret. Therefore, wash your face, anoint your head, and your heavenly Father who sees what is hidden in your heart will reward you well. Our divine master did not mean by this that we ought to have no care about our edification of the neighbor. Oh, no. For St. Paul says, let your modesty be known to all. Those who fast during the holy season of Lent ought not to conceal it, since the church orders this fast and wishes that everyone should know what we are observe, that we are observing it. Now, everyone doesn't need to know how we're observing it, but they need to know that we're observing it. We must not then deny this to those who expect it of us for their edification, since we are obliged to remove every cause of scandal to our brothers. But when our Lord said, fast in secret, he wanted us to understand, do not do it to be seen or esteemed by creatures. Do not do your works for the eyes of men. Be careful to edify them well, but not in order that they may esteem you as holy and virtuous. Do not be like the hypocrites. Do not try to appear better than others in practicing more fasting and penances as they. The glorious St. Augustine, in the rule that he wrote for his religious, which was later adapted for men religious, orders, and in fact the rule of St. Augustine is that rule which St. Francis de Sales took for the order of his visitation. Sisters. So the glorious St. Augustine, the rule that he wrote for his religious, orders that one follow the community as much as possible, as if he wished to say, do not be more virtuous than the others. Do not wish to practice more fasting, more austerities, more mortifications than are ordered for you. Do only what the others do and what is commanded by your rule according to the manner of living that you follow and be content with that. For although fasting and other penances are good and laudable, nevertheless, if they are not practiced by those with whom you live, you will stand out and there will be some vanity or at least some temptation to esteem yourself above others. Since they do not do as you do, you experience some vain complacency as if you were more holy than they in doing such things. Beloved, if you don't have a spiritual director, just read St. Francis de Sales, all his sermons for Lent, for Our Lady, for Christmas, Introduction to the Devout Life, Treatise on the Love of God, his correspondence with Jane de Chantal. Just read him. Letters to People in the World is a wonderful book, not for religious. Read everything he's written, beloved, and you will have a spiritual director. We'll be right back after this break. 
LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Hi, this is Wayne Hepler, founder of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer. If you are looking for a way to grow closer to our Lord, I invite you to visit our Catholic Retreat Center dedicated to praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. The rustic setting provides a quiet atmosphere for prayer and for learning about the public communal prayer of the Catholic Church known as the Liturgy of the Hours. The seven canonical hours are prayed throughout the day beginning with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with night prayer at 8 p.m. You are welcome to join in the prayer at any time or to book the house for a retreat. We are located at 365 Hill City Road in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. For more information or to book a visit, email info at liturgyofthehours.org or call the retreat house at 814-676-1910. You can also learn more by visiting liturgyofthehours.org. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. This is our half hour together. For anything that's on your heart, um, call in toll-free 1-877-511-5483. You may text at that number as well, or uh, email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have a call on the line from Ann in Michigan. Hi, Ann. Good morning, Mother Miriam. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. How are you? Very good, thank you. Very good. good. Well, I had a question. Yes, I, go ahead. <clears throat> I was wanted to know what you recommend, uh, what you recommended for little ones that are probably seven and nine, but have never been catechized. And I'm looking to start helping their parents with this, but I wanted to get some workbooks or some starting materials. I used to do catechism many years ago, and. Um, uh, I've been kind of moving toward the traditional, and mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of keep it in that framework. Good. Absolutely so what, what good. What did you recommend? <laughs> I, I found a wonderful source a couple of years ago, and I could not recommend it highly enough. It is St. Augustine Academy Press. St. <clears throat> Augustine Academy Press, and they are on the website just that way, ststaugustinacademypress.com. And if you go to their site, I'm doing it right now, 
and you type in, they have a little search uh, bar on the left, and you type in catechism. I've got 35 results here. Everything they have is magnificent. The first one here is um, a pictorial catechism uh, for children. Um, Here's another one uh, called The Child of God, What Comes of Our Baptism. The King of the Golden City, First Confession, um, Questions on First Communion, Forgiveness, um, A Life of the Blessed Mother for Little Ones, uh, First Communion, um, Mary, Help of Christians, Our Faith, Our Holy Faith, God's Greatest Gift. And it comes in uh, several volumes. God's Truths Help Us Live. God's Truths Help Us Live with a Teacher's Manual. So um, that's just um, a third of what they have. So I, I, I highly recommend that for you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I will Surely. do that and get going on that right away. Thank you, Mother. God bless You're you. You're welcome, Love dear the program. Thank you Thank so you. much. God bless you. Um, uh, we have a call from Laura in California. Hi, Laura. I have a question. Oh, we have a little problem there. Are you? Are you? Uh, what's going on? Okay, on we're good end? now. Okay. I just, hello. I'm. I'm sorry. I just have a question. Um, how? Why is freezing? Okay, so a lady's pregnant and she froze the other embryos, and I just want to know why that's. What do you bad? mean froze and the other that's... embryos? Where did the other embryos come from? Well, she she got it. She got. She has IVF. She got pregnant, and now she's pregnant. But she said she left the other ones. They're frozen right now. So why okay. is that bad? Do you know that like IVF besides- is also an evil um, choice? It's intrinsically evil. Anything, Laura, that uh, that puts us in control, so to speak, that's outside of God's plan for normal procreation between a man and woman in marriage is very gravely sinful. Let me let you ask this. I'm going to let you answer this question. Do you have children, Laura? Yes. Okay. Suppose when you gave birth to your first child, uh, or let's how many children do you have? Three. Suppose when you gave birth to your third child, now this is going to be a terrible thing I'm going to say, but it, it'll bring the point home, I think. When you finally gave birth to your third child, you decided you didn't want the third child. It's just too many for you. You can't handle it. So the baby was born and you froze it. You froze the baby. Why would you have frozen the baby? I don't know. They're going to say they're not ready yet, I guess. I don't know. No, you. you. Well, I wouldn't have done that, but... Of course you wouldn't have. Why? <laughs> You're not going to freeze a live person, right? And no. that's what's happening when you freeze embryos. They're people. Yeah, they I were that. conceived in an in a evil uh, manner, and now they are people being frozen, probably to be thrown out. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. Okay, thank you, Mother Miriam. Does that make sense, sweetie? Well, yes, but I already knew that because of the dignity of the person. I just want another reason. Like maybe they don't always keep them or maybe something happens to them. What if they keep them, maybe though, sweetheart? Keep. What if they keep them? What if 
they keep them. Now what? Now you have a frozen child that is kept. Why would you freeze a person? Yeah. And again, okay, thank sweetie. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. All right. You're Catholic, huh, Laura? Yes. You sound Catholic. So um, it's so important to look for the reasons behind the church teaching. Um, let me let me give you a resource because you might need it for your friend. It's the Catholic National Catholic Bioethics Center. National Catholic Bioethics Center. You can look it up. Um, NCB Center, National Catholic Bioethics Center, and you can get them on the internet, and then you can simply look up IV, IVF, and frozen embryos, and you'll get the church's teaching on it. It's Michelle, it's truly you. it's truly an evil. Okay, thank you. Love you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. We have an email from. Um, someone uh, from Anonymous who says, uh, Dear Mother Miriam, I was hoping for assistance in understanding what restitution would be required for piracing of films and music as well as the restitution for detraction. I have found a few reliable sources that address these issues and would greatly appreciate any help. Well, very often, um, uh, the the um, the announcements come up when you when you get a film and you watch it at home. Uh, the 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 penalties for piracy and other things are um, reproducing without permission. Same thing um, uh, are already up there. They could require jail and all of that if you're caught, but. If you're a Catholic, you would bring that to confession, and the restitution would be what God gives you through the priest. All right? Uh, different films or the different governments may have different laws of restitution. I don't know what they are. Uh, jail, time, fines, all of that. But the main thing is, for a Catholic, we go to confession, and the restitution is what is given to us through the priest um, when we when we are forgiven. He will give. He will forgive you if you've come with a contrite heart, and he will say for your penance, do whatever, and that is your restitution, and it needs to be done. So I, I hope that was helpful. If that's really what you were getting at, um, other than that, I don't know each state's particular uh, fines. Um, we have an email from Lisa. It says hi, Mother Miriam. I hear repeatedly on your program. Get your child out of public school, that we will be accountable to God. Yes, and I'll say you're you're accountable to God, but the main thing is you're destroying your child if they are in public school. Um, it is a heart wrenching. It's heart wrenching listening to this over and over again. Although I agree, what are we parents of special needs children to do? Homeschooling is not an option for this single parent of a child who is physically harming me. Now, this is a different story. He attends a special education school that has supports in place to help him. If I were to homeschool my special needs son, do you know of any programs to help him? All right, sweetheart. The fact that you're a single mother, you you can't. I don't know how you would homeschool any child, even if it weren't special needs. Um, 
what I would do in that case is make sure um, what that public school teaches and who the teachers are and what they're learning. Um, if there's any opportunity to put him in a private school or um, um, a Catholic school or uh, any other special situation, I would check that out uh, for sure. If you have no option except public school, I would go to the public school, meet with the teachers, see what they're learning, and make sure if there's anything objectionable that um, he has opted out of that class. If he's in a special needs class, then um, that will probably be better than him being in a regular class with with people maybe making fun of him or bullying him or something else. Special needs, he'll be attended to. So that's a less dangerous situation, and you're certainly not going to be accountable uh, to God for that. We are accountable for raising our children. We are. And um, we have certain circumstances that we're in that we all we can do is the best we can do. And you can't stay home with him if you have to earn a living. Um, and you say, though you agree, um, uh, and you say he's also physically harming you, and um, I would get certainly do what you can to get help with that through a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a behavioral people because you don't want him harming you uh, the times he's not in the special needs class. You need to learn, you must learn how to deal with that. Um, so um, I, I can't do better than that, Lisa, except to say um, speak to people in your church um, speak to people with special needs children and and see what other um, go on the internet see what other options you may have whether it's in a, uh, apart from the public school or in addition to the public school but no a single mom caring for a special needs child uh, you simply need to do the best you can to protect you and to protect your son okay Lisa and I'm going to talk about homeschooling again. And I'm going to talk about parents' parents' obligations again. But always know, beloved parents, that we need to do the best we can. We uh, homeschool. Uh, not everybody can homeschool. Single parents, I don't know how they would manage to homeschool. They could. Uh, there are co-ops you can form with other parents and put your child in those homeschooling co-ops. You can do that. But if you have a special needs child, um, based on what those needs are, it, it may not work out. Um, unless you have a mother who is skilled in handling special needs children and has a homeschooling for those special needs children, maybe three children together, something like that. I would not give up. I would continue to have him where he is, but I would not give up in continuing to look for other sources. But you're not accountable for that. Don't worry about that. Just do the best you can. God does not ask us for more than that. The best you can with his grace. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. We have an email from Tony in Michigan who says, Hello, Mother. <clears throat> My cousin will be getting married this fall in the Lutheran Church. She is not a baptized Catholic and has been in various Protestant churches for her whole life. I do not believe her fiancé is Catholic either, and I know they regularly attend Lutheran services. 
in spite of my efforts to encourage them to enter and subsequently marry in the one true church, it appears they are set to marry in the Lutheran church. Oh dear, right in the middle of this email, there's the music for our break. It's our last break, beloved. We'll have, um, uh, it'll be short, and then we'll have our last segment when we come back. And again, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. One toll-free, one 511 5483 and we'll be back right after the break. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustained life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations Thank you for helping to save the culture. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And this is our last segment, so you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, one 511 5483 or email at mother at We were right in the middle of an email from Tony in Michigan, and I'll read the beginning of it again. 
Tony says, hello, mother. <clears throat> My cousin will be getting married this fall in the Lutheran church. She is not a baptized Catholic and has been in various Protestant churches for her whole life. I do not believe her fiancé is a Catholic either, and I know they regularly attend Lutheran services. In spite of my efforts to encourage them to enter and subsequently marry in the one true church, it appears they are set to marry in the Lutheran church. I am wondering if it is okay to bring my family to the wedding service, or if our attendance as Catholics would be sinful and displeasing to Almighty God. Also, there's a possibility she may ask my son to be a ring bearer, and I am wondering if this also would be sinful to allow him to participate in a heretical liturgy. I am conflicted over this because I want to be with my cousin on her wedding day, but I am far more concerned for the souls of my wife and children. Thank you for your help. God bless you and Our Lady keep you. Well, God bless you. That's uh, your heart is fabulous, Tony. And I wish I, I wish I were confirmed in my heart with an answer. I'm going to tell you my answer, but I'm not going to tell you that it's absolutely correct. I think there are many people who would not agree with me at all. But there's three points here I have. Number one, I would ask your cousin if her fiancé is Catholic. Because if he's Catholic and he's been attending the Catholic Church um, and he's getting married in the Lutheran Church, then you need to speak with him. And you need to say you are turning your back on God and I cannot support you in that because I don't want to support you uh, being on the road to hell by turning your back on God or being married outside the church without a dispensation from the bishop. So that's number one. I think that's very important. And if you didn't go, it would be because of the soul of her fiancé. I think you need to find that out. Um, I here's where I think people will disagree with me. If he's not Catholic, I would say go ahead and go um, to that wedding because um, it, if you stay in touch with that family, you may have an opportunity in their marriage to draw them into the church. So I personally would say go in that. They're not fallen away Catholics. If they're not, um, I would say go ahead Um, And then, because it's family, you can continue to support them. Uh, However, um, I would not say yes to your son being a ring bearer, and that you can explain to them, um, because we're Catholic, uh, we cannot partake um, as part of, we can witness the service, but we cannot partake in it, even as a ring bearer. So those are my three thoughts. And um, I think I've just probably made a lot of people angry at me that I said to go to the wedding. Um, The church at one point would have forbidden that. Um, I don't know if canonically it forbids it today. If it does, I apologize. Um, uh, But again, if they were Catholic and fallen away, I'd say absolutely not. You know what you might do, because I don't want to leave you with the wrong answer, is um, call Catholic Answers. Call catholic.com on the web, Catholic Answers, ask to speak to one of their apologists, and they will give you the exact canon law on that, which I would first have to look up. But you can look that up too. Uh, look up the um, GERM, G-E-G, excuse me, G-I-R-M, General Instruction of the Roman Missal, 
under marriage, and it should give you the church's ruling on that. And if the church says no, absolutely no. Okay. It did say no, but I don't know if things have changed to allow you to go these days. Um, We have an email from Reginald from Brampton, Ontario, Canada. Um, Dear Mother Miriam, I went to school in Ontario, so I'm always happy to hear from people from Canada. He says, God bless you for your wonderful ministry and also enlightening us with your knowledge of the Word of God and the sacraments through your vast experience, coming from the Jewish background, traveling through evangelical churches, and now the Holy Catholic Church. Wow. (laughs) Mother, my question is, when our Lord Jesus Christ fasted for 40 days and nights, did he not fast on the Sabbath? Yes, he did. Would he have gone to the temple to worship as well as given up his fast for Sabbath or Sundays and got back to his fast from Monday onwards? Absolutely not. Would have been a a total fast. He says, for almost 20 years now during Lent, I have been fasting without even having water to drink from the time I wake up till three o'clock holy hour. I fast from Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday, almost 45 days. But our church says we should not fast on Sabbath slash Sundays. So did our Lord not fast on the Sabbath during the 40 days of his fasting? Yes, he did fast. I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. Do I need to quit fasting on Sundays if our Lord has done so? No. Thanks once again for your sacrifices, dedication for the sake of all of us. God bless you and pray for me and my family. No, if we're going to fast, we should fast. Now, the reason that the church allows us to give up our fast on Sundays is because we have grown extremely, extremely weak. When I grew up, we're not going against anything because the church has allowed us to grow very, very weak. When I grew up in my Jewish family, if we fasted, we didn't have water for 24 hours. We didn't even have a glass of water unless... We needed it to not faint. Yeah, if you need it, or if you're sick, of course. But other than that, fasting meant from everything. And we never had even a drop of water. Um, Dr. Taylor Marshall, if you could look it up on the Internet, has done a wonderful teaching in video form on Lent and the history of fasting. And he shows how fasting in the church used to be a lot stricter than it is now and how we've become wimps. And the church allows us so much that we hardly fast anymore. To have a full meal and two snacks or so that don't equal a meal, to me that's not fasting. That's reducing your food, but it's not fasting. It not Not as fasting was meant. And if we're going to accompany our Lord 40 days in the wilderness, I, I, I do think we should do that. So here with us, we don't, we don't change anything for Sunday. We continue what we've given up for fast, but that's us. Um, and someone who doesn't, who, who doesn't continue the fast on, so on Sunday may be holier than us. You know, it's, it's to each person to do what he wishes before God but it's if the Jewish people look at how the Catholics fast, it's it's almost a sacrilege to them because we hardly fast at all. So um, we look to get out of things. You know, we, we should be fasting and we should be fasting all of Lent. We must abstain from meat on Fridays, indeed. Um, but, you know, it, it, 
many people abstain from meat through the entire period of Lent. And that's traditional, that everyone abstain from meat through the entire. Some people just four-footed creatures, and some people did not abstain from two-foot-legged creatures, which would be birds, which would allow them to have chicken, chicken and fish. So take a look. Listen to Dr. Taylor Marshall's um, teaching on Lent. I think it'll help greatly. Um, I appreciate it. Um, God bless you all, and we'll speak with you tomorrow.